Good morning, everyone. We have two readings this morning. The first one is in 1 Peter 2, verses 9 to 12, and you can keep a finger in Colossians chapter 4. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you, as aliens and strangers in the world, to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that, though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Good morning, everyone. It's good to see you all here. I think um, at our next, uh, if somebody will remind us, at our next uh, council meeting, would you all please just remind us that we discussed the importance of little blankets that we need to buy for the winter season. Then we can wrap you up in a little blanket maybe. You get those small little ones, eh? There's one by one, one and a half by one and a half. Maybe we should get a bunch of them. So we start uh, budgeting for that. Good. Let's, um, let's pray and then we'll have a look at God's word this morning. Father, we thank you that you really do cover everything. You speak to us about literally everything that the human heart can be concerned about, uh, is involved with, long for. Um, and we pray that you will address us again afresh and new. Uh, we thank you that you have made us. We thank you that you love us. We thank you that you have redeemed us in Christ. We thank you that you have a plan of salvation for this entire world. We thank you that you have included us by your unbelievable mercy into that plan of your son, the glory, the splendor, the joy of your heart, and that you are making us into his image, and that you are wanting to send us uh, into the world to represent your kindness, your goodness, your glory, the glory of your son, so that we may hold out an incredibly good news for the world. And so, Lord, we pray that you may capture our hearts afresh and new and that we may be strengthened and that we may grain in wisdom uh, so that we may be about your plan of salvation. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you're just visiting us over the last couple of weeks, we've been doing a bit of a, a series. It's a bit of a jumping around in the Bible, so I know that makes it a little bit more difficult for you guys to follow. So we're not working our way systematically through a, a book uh, that does make it a little bit more dangerous. So that means you've got to listen more carefully to see that I'm not abusing the Scriptures uh, and making it apply in areas where it doesn't apply. But we've been looking at this whole idea of just talking to people, talking to ourselves, which we do all the time. Um, and what are we telling ourselves? Is our hearts and our minds shaped by the gospel story of Jesus Christ? Uh, also the fact that we have to talk to one another at church, church meetings, Bible studies, home groups, one-on-one uh, -on -one discussions, and what are we hearing and telling one another 
does the gospel re- is the gospel good news? Is it good news on Sunday mornings? Because if I tell you that, some of you don't look like it's good news. <laughs> is it good news? Is it? Who is it? Somebody says it is. Is it good news every moment of life? Is it good news in the ordinary stuff of life? Can you grasp hold of Christ um, in the everyday stuff of life? Are you able to help others to grab hold of Christ uh, moment by moment as you live your life? And uh, do you have a good news story for the world? For those who don't know Christ. Uh, that's really what we've been talking about. So we've been talking about this whole idea of growing in your ability to speak gospel. We speak Afrikaans, we speak English, we speak Kosa, we speak all sorts of languages. And there's a gospel language, there's a grace language that actually infiltrates every department and every attitude and every nook and cranny of what it is to be human. And that gospel message brings about change. Change from the past, change in the present, and change for the future. And that's what we've been talking about a little bit about. So if you are joining us this morning, you are coming right at the end. Uh, we have been looking at growing in this fluency, this ability to speak the good news of Jesus Christ into every situation of life, uh, starting with ourselves. So in your first paragraph there in your outline, I'm not going to run through all of that again. Uh, that's just giving you a bit of an overview of what we've been looking at. Um, but as you hear the gospel message, the incredible thing is, is that you can much quicker recognize when your heart and your soul and your mind and your behavior is out of line with the glory and the splendor and the wonder of Jesus Christ. And you can change it around. You can ask yourself what you believe and then change that belief, turn to Christ Jesus, find a new heart, a new uh, way of uh, longing for things, a new way of thinking, and a new way of behaving. And that's what we are doing to one another. And we are to do that. So this is the good news and the bad news. All right? The good news is Jesus Christ is able to change everyone who believes. There is not a single human being on this planet that cannot be changed by faith in Jesus Christ. So we have good news for every single human being. From the little baby to the mass murderer. There is hope and life in Christ Jesus for everyone who believes. That's amazing, isn't it? That's an incredible story that we can tell people. And we are to encourage one another to keep on growing until each of us looks like the Lord Jesus Christ. So when you look at me while I'm looking at you, what are you seeing? Do I look like Jesus? You're allowed to be honest. Well, if you are in doubt, I don't. Will you love me enough to urge me on more and more into Christ-likeness? Not just speak to me when I do heinous sins, which you should, but saying, you know what, you can love more like Christ today. Christ's desire for your life, Ludwig, is to be more truthful, more kind, more tr- pure, more holy, more joyful, more serving than you are currently. 
Are you prepared to do that? See, there's the joy of the gospel. He can set you free from your current level of godliness for a more godly, truthful life. In the present. More hopeful in the present. That more and more. You find that rephrase right through the, the New Testament specifically. Oh, I know you love, but I want you to do it more and more. I know you have faith, but I want you to do it more and more. I know you are holy, but I want you to do it more and more. So that you may grow up. And the goal is to be like Christ. That's what we saw last week. Build one another up until everyone reaches maturity in Christ Jesus. So that just means we are going to have a job on our hands, isn't it? But it's a great job. Because it's a job that Jesus Christ himself is busy doing all the time. And that's what we looked at the last couple of weeks. How we kind of lie to ourselves and how we lie to one another. And that in the gospel we never have to lie and pretend that we are something that we are not. Because Christ Jesus came to set you free. He came to give you life. And he wants you to grow up in it. And that's what we've been talking about. And so this Sunday we want to look at how do we talk to the world outside there? How do we talk to those who are not in agreement with the reality that Jesus Christ is Lord? Um, And that's really what we want to do. And there's obviously an enormous amount of passages in the Bible you can turn to, but I just kind of chose those uh, two or three that are on your outline there so that we can have a quick look. So very simply, I mean it simply means show and tell. You know what you do at school? You bring your thing, you show the class, and then you tell them what it's about. Now this time you are bringing yourself. You are to show yourself to the world. Show them who you are in Christ Jesus. Show them who you belong to. Show them that you have family characteristics. Show them that you have the same agenda as your heavenly father. Show them in the way you talk. Show them in the way you relate. Show them in what you pursue. Show them in what you spend your money on. Show them why you spend your money on it. Show them, and then if they ask them, you tell them why you're doing it. I mean, it's not difficult, isn't it? So that's what this passage is all about. Just go back to 1 Peter chapter 2. I mean, here's summarizing it. He says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. Remember, your identity does not come from you. Your identity comes from Christ. He has made you a king and a queen. He has made you holy. He has made you to belong to the Father. He is the one who's done that. I trust Him. I don't have to do anything to get that. He gives that. I am that, He says. You are that. We saw that a couple of times, uh, what is so important for us as Christians. So we are all of this. We are chosen by God in Christ Jesus. For what? Well, the next part of the verse actually tells you what it is for. Look at what it says there. So that that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. You have a purpose, and that is to make God known. That's quite an interesting story. So the story you tell yourself, is that the goal of your life story? You see, we're talking about the story thing. You've heard it a number of times. We're going to come back to it. Is the goal of your life... Why are you a Christian? Is it to declare to the world 
the glory of the Father. Is that why you live? Because that's what he says you should live for. See, if you are not living for that, then you are actually out of sync with God's story. And you will feel frustrated. You'll get overwhelmed. You may even enjoy your life for quite a while, and then it runs aground. Because your purpose is declared for you by God himself. So is that the way why you do what you do? Why you get up in the morning? Oh, I belong to God, and therefore part of my great joy is to declare the glory and the splendor and the kindness of my Father to the world. That's why I do it. Is that why you do it? See, if you don't, and you're a Christian, you're going to be confused. Your, your, your life is going to be out of sync. You're going to feel disjointed. Because you have been saved, you are in Christ, but you don't have his goal and his mind, so you are not in line with his story, and therefore you're going to run aground. So God is very gracious, isn't it? By giving us the awareness that I cannot live my life in his story. He includes me so that I may be set free to experience his life in his story. See how weird it is? But that takes a little bit of effort because I tell you what, as you start to think about this, you tell yourself all sorts of stories and uh, here the gospel tells us, here's the wonderful thing. And then he goes on and he tells us how to do that. Uh, in verse 12 specifically, live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. So one of the ways in which you show forth the fact that you belong to God is that you live a good life. God is good. That's who he is. And in him you live that out before people. And then he's going to go on, and this is where he really gets, and we're not going to have time to get into it. The number one thing that Peter highlights, there are other things that the other gospels and the writers highlight, the number one thing that he highlights that will make you stand out as someone different from the world, someone who belongs to God rather than to yourself, is the number one thing you can go and do the reading for yourself at home. From chapter 2, verse 13, up until about chapter 3, uh, verses 19, 11, and so on, one very simple disposition that he highlights, and that is respect and submission. Do you respect people? And do you submit to authority. You would, isn't it? If you don't, you are denying the gospel of Jesus Christ at that moment. From the heart, through your soul, into your mind, and into your body, if you do not respect other human beings, and you do not wholeheartedly submit, you are denying the gospel story of Jesus Christ at that moment. It's incredible, isn't it? <laughs> and that's the main thing he's zooming in on, and we're not going to get into all of that. If you cannot love and greet people as human beings made in the image of God, you are denying the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus Christ came to save human beings you cannot be good news to a human being if you despise him in your heart. Isn't it obvious, isn't it? 
So it's incredible, the stories we tell us. I don't have to respect you. The night of the gospel. I don't have to have your best interest at heart. Denial of the gospel. Weird, isn't it? But it's so true. How is it possible that you think you could? You cannot separate these things from one another. We tend to do that. We tend to separate what God joins together. And when we think we can remix it, you know, those remixing things. You can't do that. You will destroy yourself and the people around you. So I don't want to get into all of that. But that's the show and tell. Show people you respect them. You may not agree with them. Of course, I'm not saying you must agree with them. But you respect them as image bearers of God. And you speak the truth to them. You live the truth to them. So that ultimately, let's jump over to chapter 3, verse 9. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult but with blessing, because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. You have been blessed so that you may bless, and you are going to inherit a blessing. Inheritance is what you get because you belong. There's your belonging again. See how amazing that is. When you respond insult to insult, you are denying the gospel of Jesus Christ. When you do not respond with blessing when somebody's evil, you are, you are denying the gospel of Jesus Christ. In Christ, you are free to bless those who are evil to you and to be kind to those who insult you. Now I'm living the gospel of Jesus Christ. See how amazing that is? That's powerful stuff, isn't it? In that context, if you do not respond insult with insult, and you do that a couple of times, what do you think is going to be the response from the person who's insulted you and you didn't insult them, you blessed them? They're going to think you're a nut job. Or they may ask you, why on earth are you like that? Well, then he tells you. Then you give them Jesus. Give, be ready to give the reason why you live by hope. By a completely different standard to the world because you believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Tell them why you show them, and then when they ask, you tell them. Isn't that incredible? I have received mercy. Mercy means that at every single moment of my life, I have not what I deserve from God. If God had to give you what you deserve, you would be in hell you would not be alive anymore. Mercy means he has not given you what you deserve. Now he says, now I want you to live mercy to people. Do not give them what they deserve. Give them grace. Give them truth. Invite them to repentance. Be kind to them. Bless them. See how amazing it is? How you, the gospel story changes everything about you. It changes every relationship. It changes every situation. Nothing can be the same. And that's why we need to help one another. Because we all, we all break this. We all get it all wrong. We all get all whiffy and tiffy. And, I mean, it's just amazing how we get out of sequence. But the power 
of the gospel is salvation. Now, from the lie that I don't have to respect you, from the lie that I don't have to be good to you, from the lie that I can reserve myself and not do, not give, I'm set free increasingly until I am like Christ. And until you like And see how beautiful this is? Show and tell. Show them what the gospel looks like. Well, in Peter, that's what the gospel looks like. It's more than that, but it's definitely not less than that. But can you see how beautiful that is? Do you respect people because they're made in God's image and you have not received what you deserve? So now I will not give you what you deserve. Now I'm living in line with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Beautiful, isn't it? And when I fail, I go back to Jesus and Jesus, I, 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 I did wrong. I failed, I sinned, forgive me. I have forgotten that I'm in you and my very being belongs to you. I, my identity is in you, so let me do it again. You see how it works? So isn't that encouraging? When you see I'm not doing it, will you tell me? Will you encourage me? Or will you even just question me? It doesn't look like you have respect for that person. Did you have respect for that person? Did you want to bless that person? Now we're talking about the other blessings and the other languages we often use. We're talking about the good blessings. Can you see how amazing this is? You cannot have the wrong attitude and then give people the fact of the gospel. They will not be able to hear you. You know the old saying, your actions speak so loud I can't hear what you're saying. In Christ, we have been given the power of the Holy Spirit to live the life of Christ in the moment so that we can share the message and the reason why we're living it. Show and tell. So there's the, the first basic reality that I want to draw your attention to. And it's quite incredible. So live a life that is so weird that only the explanation that you belong to Jesus Christ can explain why you're doing it. Basically. And when they ask you, you tell them, Jesus. And if they don't ask you, don't worry about it. Because you are only a trailer. You know what a trailer is? Go to the movie, and they show you a trailer. Huh? You're a trailer of the great event that is coming. The feature event is coming when God is coming to visit this world again. You must be a little faithful trailer of the reality of God when the main feature arrives. And people will say, I've seen this movie before. I've seen something of this reality before in a trailer, and I saw you. That's what he's saying. It's beautiful, isn't it? You're just a trailer. A trailer about the main feature of God in his fullness, in his glory, in his goodness, in his power, in his holiness, coming to visit this world. Will people be able to recognize God when he comes? Because we are supposed to be the trailer that shows him what it looks like. It's quite amazing, isn't it? Quite exciting when you think about it. So we are looking at that side of it. Now we're looking at how we live, not what we believe. Because we believe, because we are in Christ, this is how we start to work it out. How does it look like as we live our lives? We are living completely different lives. And Peter talks quite a bit about that. So let's flip over to the next one, to Colossians. Because here it comes on from a slightly different angle. Um, and I just want us to draw one or two uh, things from that. You still with me? 
So the first thing really is simply to show and tell. So figure out if your heart, your soul, your mind, and your behavior is in line with the wonderful gospel story. Does it look like Jesus Christ or not? If it isn't, go back to Christ. Figure out how believing him changes everything so that you may more consistently act it out. So in Colossians chapter 4, Paul is giving the last bit of instructions, and again here he's concerned uh, with outsiders. So look at verse 5, chapter 4, verse 5. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation always be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. So there's a lot of similarity in what he's saying or what Peter said. Wisdom is simply the ability to apply the truth about God into a very specific situation in the way that God will be a glory. That's what it is to be wise. So to live in a way that is wise towards those on the outside is to actually realize I've got to think carefully how am I going to position myself, what is going to be my attitude and my body language, what is going to be everything that is a showing forth the goodness of God, so that I may apply it rightly into that situation as it happens. So that's why you need to grow in wisdom. And Colossians tells us that all wisdom is given to us in Christ Jesus. So if you want to be wise, be like Christ. A very similar concept, isn't it, that he's saying. So be wise in the way you act towards those who are not under the lordship of Jesus Christ. So work it through, think it through. Then he tells us to make the most of every opportunity. It's quite a strong language, the word that is used there. It literally means redeem the time. That means it's going to cost you something to stop and to take note of the person with whom you have the opportunity to talk to. That's really what it's meaning. It's a financial concept. Go and pay the full price of this opportunity to spend enough time with this person so that you may get to know how you could speak the gospel to them so that they may be saved. It's going to cost you. It's going to cost you money. Time is money in our world, isn't it? I don't have time for you. Really? No, no, I don't value you enough not to give you my time. I value the money I'm going to make more than you. So I'm not prepared to pay it. That's what we're saying. Not difficult to hear. Your actions speak so loud, I can't hear what you're saying. Redeem the opportunity to make the most of it. It's quite incredible, isn't it? Christ came and he redeemed everything. He paid the price for everything so that we may actually know him. Just just put that top latch up. There, thanks. So there's that interesting thing. Again, do I value that person and that opportunity that I will pay the gospel price for that opportunity? Well, I think deep enough, long enough, with enough heart so that I could speak to this person in the way that they will understand. Why is Jesus Christ good news? Will they be able to hear it? See what he's saying? It takes concerted effort. I took concerted effort 
of Jesus Christ to come all the way down from heaven to earth to come and speak to us in a language that we would understand so that we may be redeemed. I'm in the storyline of Jesus Christ. Is that how I live? Every time I don't, I'm out of sync. So go back to Christ, receive his life and live it. See how it keeps on coming back over and over and over. The wonder of the gospel is the most powerful thing in the world is Jesus Christ and his gospel. It will change everything. And so then we will have words full of grace, which mean full of thankfulness and full of the gospel of Jesus Christ, seasoned with enough salt to be distinct, which is the main feature of salt. You must be distinct. And it has to be appropriate for the person that you're talking to. So don't try and just tell them what you've heard. Hear what they are thinking so that you can tell them. Because we all have words and we all have meanings and we all attach meanings and values to words. Listen to what the person is saying so that you may actually be able to speak to them in a very distinct Christian way so they may hear the gospel of Jesus Christ according to their needs, according to where they are. So in one sense, what I'm really trying to say, there's not one size evangelism that fits for every single person. There's one gospel that answers every human heart's concern, but you can't do it in one simple way for every single person you are talking to. You are talking to an image bearer of God that has gone astray, that is confused, that is rebellious, that is full of themselves, that is arrogant, that is devastated, that is afraid, that is... Well, I go on. How do you speak to that person? Have you stopped long enough to wonder what is going through their mind? What drives them? What are they worried about? What are they afraid of? What do they think they know? What are they confident of? Can they have real trust in that confidence? Because we know there's only one human being who conquered this world, and that's Jesus Christ. Every other person telling themselves a different story is going to land in terrible, 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 terrible situation. You see how this thing works? How amazing it is? As the gospel grabs your heart, you can actually grab other people's hearts. Because you want to listen for their heart. You don't want to just listen to their arguments. You want to listen to their hearts so that you may actually speak to them in a way. And so just very quickly, how do you do that? Very quickly, preach less, all right? Just having to say this, it's very important. I think there's sometimes a confusion. If your only experience of Christianity is you come to sermons, um, you are going to have a trouble. Because if you try and speak to somebody, as I'm speaking to you this morning, I can guarantee you, you're not going to be very successful. There's a different dynamic. The fact that you sit here, and it's an open public meeting, and I didn't force you to come in here, means I can talk. By you sitting here, you've given me permission to talk to you. I don't know if you knew that's what you're doing. Maybe you won't be back next week. But literally, that's, it. that's what it is, isn't it? This is a place. This is a place we call a church. This is a meeting. It's got certain structure. And coming in here, you have given me... I'm not aiming at anyone in particular. Maybe you think I am, but I'm not. I'm trying to just explain the Word of God. And I speak 
as forthright as I possibly can. But I can't speak to an individual sitting on a bus in a restaurant like that. I have to ask them permission to speak to them. And I have to gain their trust by listening to them long enough so that they may give me that permission. See the difference? You cannot speak to somebody as I'm preaching. Please don't try that. It ain't going to work well. So don't preach to people. Because we want to download our info. That's what I'm doing. I'm downloading info. I'm allowed to. You're giving me permission. All right? But in a normal context, I've got to ask permission to talk. Respect the person enough to talk. Give them an opportunity to explain themselves. But really what we want to do is, on that second point on your second page, it says, listen more for the longing of the heart. Ask permission and question. Here's a beautiful quote from Francis Schaeffer. If I only have one hour with someone, I will spend the first 55 minutes asking them questions and finding out what is troubling their heart and mind. And then, the last five minutes, I will share something of the truth of Jesus. That means he has bought out the time with that person. He's redeemed its cost him. And he spends more time listening to that person's heart and how they construct life and the stories they tell themselves and where they are going and what they want from life and why they can't get there and why life is so bad so that I can hear their hearts, ask questions to clarify so that I may tell them about the wonderful glory of Jesus Christ at the end. Isn't that beautiful? Next one comes from the Bible. So if you don't like Schaefer, maybe you'll like the Bible. The purpose in man's heart is like deep water, but a wise man or a man of understanding draws it out. You want to find out what that person believes in his heart. Not what he shows you, not how he portrays himself, not how he whatever. That may be truthful or not. Often it's not. We all are actors. You know that? Hypocrites. But you know you're all a hypocrite. A hypocrite is classically, in the old days, sorry woman, you were not allowed to be on the stage to act out a play. So they would make masks and put them onto the men to act as women in the plays. And that is the hypocrite. That's the mask you put on to portray something that you're not. That's where the word comes from. Every single one of us are scared to live what we truly believe in our hearts at most of the time. So take the time to hear what somebody's thinking, feeling, hoping, fearing, are concerned about. Come behind the mask. Not to condemn them, to love them. To show them how does Jesus Christ give hope to that hard problem. That false hope. That illegitimate concern. That unnecessary concern. You see what I'm talking about? I'm really just saying, let's Ask Jesus to help us to be more like him. Because every human heart longs for what is good eternally. We all long for more, better, a better day, a better end to a day, a better tomorrow. Whatever that may be. Even the guys flying their planes into the to Twin Towers are looking for a better tomorrow. They believe they'll have a better tomorrow if they do that. Is, will that bring a better tomorrow? 
Well, that's what you have to try and figure out. Try. So th- we are telling ourselves these kind of stories all the time. And one of the great things is the Bible gives us the four pillars of the story that every human heart tells them because every human is made in the image of God. There's a creation story where I find my identity. There's why I think life doesn't work the way I think it should work. There's the four. Either the people I blame, I blame myself, I blame somebody else. Then there's the hope. If I do this, more of this, get more of this, more of this, then I will redeem this story because what I really want is a good outcome. So listen to people's stories. Listen to your own. That's why we started with yourself. If you can't hear your own story, how you tell yourself the story that you think will redeem you, you will find it very difficult to hear somebody else's story. Listen to the heart, not to the words. That's what the Bible is trying to encourage us. Walk with somebody wisely. Buy at the time. Be full of grace for that situation. Be full of salt for that person in that situation. Beautiful, isn't it? That you can actually learn to do that. And so I've given you again a kind of a, a, a very broad overview of the kinds of things. So creation stories, listen to these kinds of things. What do I look to or depend on for my sense of identity? What or who do I trust for my sense of value, worth and significance? Often this is assumed. You will, people won't necessarily know that they are doing that. Listen for pride, humility, accomplishments, insecurity, approval, rejection, failure, statements of worth. You want to try and help, as the person tell you, what do they find their identity in? That's what you want to find. What is significant for them? Because that is what will drive them. That is the driving force. The fall, everyone believes in any number of problems that are keeping them from being who they believe they were to be or that frustrate them from doing what they believe they are supposed to do, have, or be. Is that true? Is that a lie? Who or what do you blame in your life for why your life is not what you think it should be? Good exercise. Can you answer that question? And how is Jesus the answer to that problem? That's what you want to know in your own heart so that you may hear it in other people's hearts. So, the basic reality is the world is not as it should be, neither are others, and I'm not feeling so well myself. So listen for anger, blame, shame, fear, hiding, guilt, victim mentality, etc. Redemption, everyone is searching for a solution to their problems or problem. Listen to the themes of redemption, rescue, deliverance. Also for comfort, power, control, revenge, proving oneself, self-medication, etc., etc. Who or what is going to save you out of the situation that you find yourself in currently? What do you believe? What are you looking for? Every single human heart does that. Because every single human heart knows life is not as it should be. Can you hear what people are saying so that you may tell them restoration or new creation? There is a deep longing in every one of us for change, for things to be better tomorrow than they are today. For some, it's finding a spouse or a job or world peace or fair distribution of resources, utopian society, for things to be made new, a hopeful and better climax to every story and day. We all crave a mending of the brokenness that surrounds us in our own way. Listen for themes of hope, transformation, and if only talk. 
and figure out as you listen to yourself and to others, how is Jesus Christ's story better? More powerful, more secure, more certain, more hopeful, more transforming. And speak it into their lives. Hear carefully and then apply. What is it that we believe? How are we thinking we're going to change this world? Jesus Christ says, I am the Savior of this world. There is no one else because I'm the only one who managed to do it. I'm better even today and one day in the future you'll see it the clearest. You see how incredible this stuff is? So we've got to ask God to give us new hearts. And there's some, just some stuff that we have to keep in mind as we try and overcome our hesitations. We are in a spiritual battle. You know that Satan will love you to say anything except tell people about Jesus Christ. So it's not going to be easy. It's going to cost you. The second one I find quite interesting. We all tend to worry more about what people think of us than of us loving them enough to tell them the gospel. Is it true? Are you more worried that people think you're an idiot than telling them about Jesus Christ? Trust Jesus that he will give you love and words to speak in the moment by his spirit. We need to grow in gospel fluency so that we may in everyday stuff of life reveal and help people to understand their own hearts and what is it that they truly trust for life. Is it Jesus Christ? Or does he only come in on Sundays and Bible study day every now and again? Or is he the Lord and Savior of every moment? The Bible suggests he is the Savior of every moment. And then lastly, maybe a reason why we find it hard to tell people is because we don't believe that if they don't know Christ, they won't go to hell. Do you believe that if somebody's not in Christ, he's condemned already? And no matter how hard he tries to save himself, he will only destroy himself. Do you believe that? And go and help them to discover what is it that they are believing. Because the fruits of our lives are always the expression of what we believe in that moment. But there's a better root. It is the root of Jesus Christ. The root that always brings about life and eternal life, now and forever. I hope I've stirred you a little bit this morning. To look on Christ and to have life and to help everybody else around you to do the same. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we want to thank you that you are the better of literally everything that your word tells us. You are the better Adam that never succumbed to sin. You are the better Noah that didn't after his victory got drunk. You are the better Abraham that didn't connive and lie to save people. You are the better Moses that never lost, never lost your temper.
You are the better ark. You are the better bread of heaven. You are the better water of life. You are the better wine of joy. You are the better temple that gives us direct access to the Father. You are the better priest that makes all our sin go away. You are the better sacrifice that has paid the penalty for all sin. You are the better spouse. You are the better parent. You are the better son and daughter. You are the better boss to work for at every moment in every situation. Lord, we pray that we will not settle for substitutes. We pray that we will not try and be a substitute for others ourselves. We want to thank you that Jesus Christ is better than anyone or anything. We want to thank you that Jesus Christ does better than anyone or anything. And we want to praise you that Jesus Christ will do better than anyone or anything. Jesus Christ is better news than everything. Thank you for challenging us this morning. Thank you for speaking to us. Won't you help our own hearts to know how we respond to this message? Won't you help us to weigh carefully while it is today the unbelievable invitation that there is salvation in Christ Jesus for everyone who believes? How will we ever praise you for your mercy and grace in Christ? But here we are, Lord. Expand our ability to comprehend the incomprehensibleness of your love and your truth and your grace and your mercy in Christ Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for our time together this morning. Set us free to be good news people to the world. Send us into the world, Lord, and use us. Don't protect us. Use us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.